Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. So another week, another two-shot podcast, and this week I am delighted to say I sit down and have a right good chat with Maya Sunday. Um, I knew her a little bit, but my God, she is so positive. And, you know, it all stems from a very, very supportive upbringing, which we touch on loads. Look, it's a great chat. Have a sit down, put the kettle on, and listen to this week's Two Shot Podcast with Maya Sunday. It's silent now, but only a few seconds ago we were testing our mics uh, and myself and my guest this week were talking about uh, embarrassing uh, iTunes running lists. Oh, no. Yes, I we didn't were. I to say it. Oh, I had to. We won't talk about what it was. We'll, we'll leave that to people's imagination. Um, this week, I am thrilled to say I am sat in a semi... Well, it's not as noisy as it was, is it, Producer Griff? No, he's happy. Look, him shaking his head. He doesn't speak again. Yet again, another episode where he doesn't speak. I am sat with the lovely Maya Sunday. How are you, darling? You're all right. I'm all right, thank you. Thanks so much for coming and having a chat. Thank you for having me. How is it all going? It's busy. It's good. It's busy, good, good. Busy. When you say busy, is that because seven months ago you became a mum? Yeah. Or is it the fact you've got to juggle? I've got to juggle that with, um, so writing, because I write as well, so writing projects are really kind of all landing at the same time. And nappies um, as well. Nappies, writing, and then auditions, and then voiceovers, and then just also trying to drink gin in between is very important. You have <laughs> to keep that going. You know, you've got to keep up with your social life. So just because you have a baby doesn't I mean you can't drink gin anymore um in fact the baby likes a bit of gin breast milk i think um, he sleeps much better once he's had some gin in his breast milk. do you know my wife <laughs> used to say when uh she was a little baby her mum used to dip the the dummy into guinness and in fact my mum when my little sister my there's a 10 year age gap between me and my sister i remember one time my mum dipping the guinness uh, the, the Guinness, the the dummy in the Guinness. See, and it worked for them. I don't think you'll find that in... Uh, That's probably not in the handbook now, is it? Is it Dr. Spock or Mr. Spock? I always oh, forget. I know. You know that book? No. It's a big famous book. Oh, no. Because Mr. Spock is Star Trek. And then... But Dr. Spock wrote this amazing sort of Bible... About having a baby. About babies and, <gasps> and raising babies. And I tried that. not to read too much because I thought... If I'll Can't get be asked terrified. Or... Yeah, I couldn't be... Yeah, I couldn't be asked, but also I thought I'll be terrified now because it's got to come out. And if I'm now panicking and it's in me and I'm panicking, this is not good. So we'll just like, we'll just, we'll not think about the end. We'll think about, you know, just enjoy being pregnant. And then when he, when he comes, well, I didn't know. Yeah, I did know it was a he. When he comes, he comes and we'll deal with it then. Well, let's not think about the end. Let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. Of sorts. Mm -hmm. You grew up in Birmingham. Yes. 
talk to me about your family life when you were growing up. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, so I've got a little brother. Yeah. So he's three years younger than me. And um, my mum uh, is from Kenya. She's Indian, but she came uh, from Kenya to Birmingham when she was six because of the political unrest. It was quite difficult for Indians in Kenya at the time. Um, and so my granddad brought them over. So my mum is essentially a Brummie, but, you know, she's a Kenyan-Indian Brummie. And then my dad came over from India as well when he was 15, I think, to go to school in Bedford. And then they ended up in Birmingham. Um, they actually ended up both at uni in Birmingham, but they didn't meet at uni. They met after when they were doing all changing the world type things. You know, Did they know each other at uni? No, no, not at all. Because my dad's a bit older than my mum. So they didn't know each other. But then they started doing all this activist stuff, you know, like we're going to change the world. We're going to protest for things. And, and my dad's going to buy his clothes in a jumble sale. And my mum's going to get arrested uh, and for fighting police officers and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. So then they met after and, um, Where did they meet? They met. I think what happened was my mum was speaking at some kind of like, like I want to say a rally, but maybe some kind of meeting. And um, my aunt, who my my dad's sister, who was living in England at the time, she's in India now. But I think she saw my mum speaking at this thing and and went back to my dad and went, I think I found the woman for you. Like she's amazing. You've got to see this woman. And they, my mum and dad actually were both with people when they met. So they were naughty <laughs> and they got together. And then, and then yes. And then I came along uh, a little bit later um, and sort of, we sort of all rubbed along in this little house in Birmingham. And then my brother came along and ruined it all. But no, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah. So we grew up in Birmingham. I went to like a really bog standard, um, uh, junior school like uh, did you enjoy junior school I loved school I loved school I honestly did you love school full stop throughout I loved school until I discovered acting and then I didn't love school anymore because uh, I was frustrated there because I frustrated because because I just wanted to be doing that then right and before that like I had no interest you know when people are saying oh I've wanted to do it ever since I was three or four or went to stage school not at all like I loved being at primary school and then I went to secondary school and I, I went to like, um, it was a, a school where you had to take an exam, but that it wasn't just for people who could afford it. It was, you got like help if you couldn't afford it, but it, it was like a, it was a private school, but um, kind of a, they didn't exclude people who weren't able for like financially. So you'd get all sorts of grants, assisted places and like scholarships and things. Oh, he's there. <laughs> he's there. Um, and then, so that was like a very different world to the world that I'd just come from, which is a really like local, normal primary school. Suddenly with all these girls and it was an all girls school where it was like really, it's like an exam factory. It was just, but it was amazing as well because you could, I could study Latin and I could like learn the saxophone and like they had all these like hockey pictures and like a swimming pool and all this. It was just such a, it was mind blowing. Were you quite sporty? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. When I was at school, it was like you had to, it's almost like you had to pick. You're either this or you're that. So you're either a sporty person and you're an arty person. And it's or like, you're, an academic. you're not allowed to be, yeah. Or yeah. You're, and you're not allowed to be more than one. So I was like, right, well, I'm, I don't quite fit into the clever, clever people. I don't quite fit into the sporty, sporty people. I found the arts. So then I was one of the few people in the arts bit. Um, and then just sort of like did a play on this, did drama like outside of school. 
um, at the Midlands Arts Centre at the MAC. Right. And then also just then did Maria in West Side Story at, at, at school. And what age was this? So this was around... Oh, like, this was about... So I did Maria at 17, but 16, I auditioned for National Youth Theatre and went there. And that was like... Because the three-week training course at National Youth Theatre was kind of like the first three weeks at drama school. And it was amazing. And I loved every second of it. And then... It, just, it does need a bit of WD-40, that door, I think. Don't worry, don't worry. Producer Greff is so good at editing the coughs and breaths and splutters and the sounds. He'll definitely store a squeaky door out, no problem. Um, um, can I just go back to yeah. before all this? What was available at your school? In terms, uh, in terms of your passion for acting and for drama and for the release there were, um, that's the thing. So we, they didn't have drama as a GCSE. But did they have it at primary or junior school? Oh, you know what? Um, no. Um, they did, I can't remember doing it. I can't remember discovering it at school. I discovered it outside of school, um, you know, kind of Midlands Arts Centre yeah. and, like, going to kind of... And then National Youth Theatre and, like... And that opened up such a, a different world to me. And and with the, the, the Midlands Arts Centre, was that something that everybody was freely accepted into? Or was it was there an audition process? Or yeah, they was did. It fr- was it free? Or was it something you had to pay for? No, it was free. It, well, I, I got into this wonderful production where you had to audition for it, but it was specifically targeted at community so you know you didn't have to have any experience or anything they were just looking for people who just had had a bit of something and they you know they were willing to work on you and 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 sort of so they mixed in like more professional types with community people and so you know you could all sort of learn together um and and that was just that was wonderful that was just brilliant because again i I never really liked being with people the same age as me at school. And at school, you know, you're always with people the same age. As soon as you do drama, it's like... Well, you wanted to be with people that I'd, were... I wanted to be with people older. I yeah. did. And I, I was yeah, like that. Yeah. Because cause you do... Because I like, I like to be tested and I like to learn and watch people. And, you know, you can learn, obviously, and especially now you can learn from younger <clears throat> people all the time. But I think at that age, you want someone to look up to, you want people to follow, because you don't know who you are and you don't know where you're going. Yeah. So you kind of go, oh, what are they doing? That's interesting. I remember getting obsessed with this girl in one of the shows that I did on the side, but she could do, she was like 17, and I'm. she seemed so old to me, but I must have been about 13, 12, 13. And she could do a no-handed cartwheel. Get your head around that. Do you know what? Even now at 41, if I see someone do that, that's fucking impressive. It's amazing. And I remember her. She was called Vicky. She could do a no-handed cartwheel and I was just like, she's amazing. I just like, I just, yeah. And then I had all these lovely role models who were older and all from different backgrounds and, you know, different classes, different, you know, different... um, uh, talents, you know, dancers, singers, actors, drummers, all sorts of things. So I think, and then I got frustrated at, pri- at senior school because it was so academic and I just didn't, like, I could go with the academia, fine, because I did like to work, I liked to work hard, but I just felt like, oh, it's got, there's something else now that's... Did you not have drama as a as a, a GCSE no, or... A there was no drama GCSE. curricular. 
there was you could do drama like you could opt for it in one of the things but it was so rubbish and it was just so half-hearted and um and you couldn't no you couldn't really like get your teeth into it so then I could get my teeth into when we did the show which was West Side Story I could really get my teeth into that um, and they just, they really went to town on it, you know, and they kind of made it such a big show and they did loads of performances. And then I, I just, I just thought I've got, I've got to try for drama school because you know what they'll, everyone kept saying to me at 18, 18 straight from school, they won't have you. They won't have you. Yeah. Uh, you should go to university. You should go to Cambridge. You should go to Cambridge and get a degree. And I'm like, okay, right. Yeah, well, I'll apply for Cambridge, but I'll also apply for drama school and see what happens. And, you know, they'll decide because if they think I'm ready at 18, I'll go because they'll take me. And if they don't, fair enough. And then I'll do something else. But I'm going to let them decide because I want to go. And then, you know, so then I went to Lambda. And then... <laughs> what was the support like from your parents? My parents were incredible. They, uh, my parents are really liberal anyway, and they they're really they're passionate about. They've always been passionate about like nurturing whatever you whatever you feel you are, whatever you want, and like supporting that. Yeah, even to like and sexuality wise, you know, I'm straight, but when I was like about thirteen, fourteen, I remember I hadn't I hadn't shown any interest in any boys at school or anything like that. I hadn't brought like brought anyone home and whatever. And they sat me down at the kitchen table and they were like, just so you know, whatever you choose to be in life, whoever you fall in love with, it's absolutely fine. We accept everyone in, into this house. I'm like, do you think I'm gay just because I haven't got any boys home? Oh my God, have you seen the boys in the boys' school? They're disgusting. <laughs> like, and then my first boyfriend ended up being, um, he was a, a amazing West Indian cellist and he was gay. <laughs> so that was the first person that I brought home. <laughs> So yeah. So they fully supported they totally did, you yeah. in every aspect. Yeah, they were nervous. Obviously, as a parent, you're nervous about. You don't want your child to be rejected. I think that's the biggest thing. You don't want your child to just be rejected and depressed, and you know you don't want them to struggle financially. You don't you don't want them to have a hard life, but then you also don't want to tread on their dreams, kind of. No, thing. of so, course. You know, so they were like, they did get, they found it hard. I know at times when because it's. Since I found writing, I'm like I'm totally happy. But I I did suffer from depression at times when I was just waiting for acting work, and I had to do lots of side jobs. And I was getting really frustrated, just waiting. And I think they saw that, and they felt really powerless. And yeah. you know, I think as a parent, you just now because now I feel it. Now I've got a baby, and I even when he's got a cold and I can't make it better, I yeah. feel like really crappy but I think that's that was their concern it was like um we don't want you to be sad basically you know we just want you to 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 enjoy everything you're doing and so like now they're just completely content because I've got so many things on but they would they they would never ever ever have said to me you can't do that or stand in your way or go look we think you should do this first then do that later if you still feel that you've still got it in you so they were fully supportive how amazing is that they were like that even like my dad was on a board at some point with um, Sir Richard Eyre and he said to him could you speak to my daughter and tell her that she should go to Cambridge or uni and and tr- and then go to drama school after? So I had tea with Richard Eyre, like in this hotel somewhere. And after about twenty minutes talking to me, he turned to my dad and he went, 
this girl's not going to uni. She's uh, going to well, go to drama school. What a brilliant, brilliant man. <laughs> and he was just, he was great. But like, yeah, just, I think that's the only, it was a genuine concern for, you know, I want you to be okay. Yeah, of course. Because they're so not, like, they're in touch with tradition, but they're not that kind of, you know, because I get, I used to get asked that question a lot. Oh my God, you're an actress. Were your parents all right with that? But I'm like, but you don't know my parents. So how would you know? Because, you know, they're, they're the most liberal people you could meet, you know. So Do you um, think they asked that because you're Indian? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think people ask that now because it's the, the pool is much wider of, of in like Asian actors. Yeah. And you, then we're much more visible now. Um, on telly and but obviously Easter. growing up when you were growing up they w- you weren't popping on the telly and seeing no. a lot of Indian actors or actresses no I mean goodness gracious me it was groundbreaking for right us because that was like oh my god we recognise these people we recognise this is funny for us because we know these people kind of thing but actually that uh, you know and the real McCoy because even though like I loved the real McCoy even though it wasn't you know Indian culture it was, you, you can there's so many crossovers yeah so they were like you know and we had like Desmond's and things but oh, um, I loved them I, <laughs> I got really starstruck because I met Pork Pie you did um, not yeah because his daughter I think went to National Youth Theatre around I think it was around the same time as me or maybe later, but I, I remember he. I mean, he turned up one day. I was like, "It's Popeye!" <laughs> I couldn't speak to him. I was just too excited. For those listening who don't know what myself and under I'm the age about, of thirty, yeah, maybe. Desmond's <laughs> used to be quite a, a groundbreaking sitcom on Channel Four about an a, an African barber. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was they, a barber. It was a barber. It, in, yeah. Was it in Peckham, wasn't it? I think so, somewhere I think London. it was somewhere South London. Anyway, Google it, Desmond's, uh, an amazing theme tune uh, and a great show. It was good. Yeah, it was, it was good. good. Let me just go back to, after East Midlands Arts Centre, Arts Centre, I think he said Arts Centre. <laughs> that sounded like I said Arts Centre. No, East Midlands, Midlands. 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 I'm getting That's confused. Vicky. That's Vicky. That's We've Vicky. done her. So... With the National Youth Theatre, was that an audition process? Yeah. Talk so that, to me about that. So that was, oh gosh, now this is going aback, but I think I had to do two monologues. I think I think it might have been a clock. Two or one, I can't remember now. But, um, so you did one and then you did a recall. Was that the first time you'd actively auditioned for anything? The first time I'd auditioned. And How did you feel about that? Do you know, I did it. Because I wanted to experience it, and I, I genuinely did it not to get into National Youth Theatre. I did it because I didn't know what an audition was, and I wanted to know what. Because I'd done, you know, the side, the things on the side of school. Were, they were like auditions, but they weren't like formal ones on your own. They were like, you know, group ones. Did you feel at that point you weren't being tested enough? I think no. I just think I. I love fear. I love like I love trying things that I've never done before. And I and I thought, well, I have no idea how this works. Uh, I could completely mess it up. But also to work on a monologue is a bit of an odd thing, you know, without other people. So then I just remember just like practicing it loads and loads with my friend, my bless her, my lovely friend Catherine, who would just sit with me for hours in a corner while I just did it over and over and over and over again to her. And then um, I think I think there was a, a, an amazing woman called Liz Light 
who um, runs a youth theatre in Birmingham, and I think she might have helped me with that, or did she help me later? That's the, the second dance? time that Liz Light has been mentioned She's incredible. on this podcast series She's so incredible. far. And she is the sister... Of John Light. Of John Light, who... Uh, by this point, we won't have recorded, but is coming on oh. to do an episode of the podcast. Yeah. Now, I can't remember if she helped me with that one, or by I definitely think I, I know that she helped me with the monologue, which got me into Lambda. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And what age were you auditioning for the National Youth Theatre? Sixteen. National Youth Theatre. Yeah. So I went at sixteen, yeah. and I had um, I had a lot of firsts at the National Youth Theatre. My eyes were really open because you you really grow up. Then you you stay in a university halls of residence for three weeks. You're with people who are like different ages, so you know young uh, your age and older, and you know you develop these friendships like in these three weeks, right? and it's so intense and amazing. And totally different to anything that I'd ever done before because it's completely not about like academia or anything. It's just just going with it and just being sort of. And you're doing what you want to do. Yeah. And just, it it was some of the most fun I've had, uh, you know, in my childhood. Um, And I think it, and that just made me go, wow, if drama school's like this every day for three years, I want to go to drama school because. And did you find that? Drama school was really similar at the beginning to National Youth Theatre. Yeah, definitely. At the, at the beginning. At the beginning. Because <laughs> <laughs> did you go? Did you? Yeah. Where did you go? I went to Mountview. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I auditioned for Mountview and I got in there. Did you? But then I, I went to Lambda. But um, but yeah, the first, you know, like the first sort of year, I reckon would, would be like what National Youth Theatre, the course is like. Yeah. Um, and just exploring and trying lots of different things. And then... Um, and then it becomes about the industry a bit later on, doesn't it? So, Well, in a way, yeah, it does. And I think it doesn't at the same time. I was talking to somebody the other day about, I was trying to think about it. It's 20 years this year since I graduated wow. in 97. Sorry. You were 2000 and... God, so I left when I was 21 and I'm 34 now. Can you do the maths? No, I just want to say this isn't a maths podcast. (laughs) I have not got a maths head on me. (laughs) Um, But what a few things that that were reaching out to me when I was thinking back of my time were certain guest directors and guest actors and people who came in to do talks and lessons and direct plays who were working current Mm. in the industry today. Which, is, which was a slight basis of why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place, even though I didn't want it to be specifically for people who were training or drama students or anything like that. I wanted it to be more open than that. Yeah. Um, anyway, I've gone right off road. <laughs> Lambda, the first year you thought it was very much like National Youth Theatre. So it was much freer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you get you have some of my best friends now are the friends from that year. At Lambda, and you know, they there's like a core group of us that are still just total support network for each other, and that's amazing. They see you at your best, your worst, your in between, yeah, everything. And um, they see you on your ass, just absolutely not wanting to do it anymore. I think everyone had a breakdown at some point. We just made made sure we didn't do it all at the same time. Um, and then so it, it, it for me, going at 18 was absolutely the right decision for me personally, yeah. There's other people that went after uni. There was people that went um, 
sort of instead of uni, you know, those people that went much later. There was a guy there, one of my really good friends, who'd got two degrees and then was at Lambda at the three and the three year course. And it was so lovely to have like your best, some of your best friends being ten years older than you. Yeah, you know, it was really great. And I remember thinking that because I went at just yeah, nearly eighteen. Yeah. So just just on the cusp of eighteen and thinking, oh, am I too young for this? Your eyes are open. You're sort of like a sponge then, aren't you? Yeah. Whereas, so we all learnt off each other. The, the sort of the university types were a bit like, hmm, a bit cerebral about things. And the younger ones would just like jump into it. If it was kind of like things that didn't make sense, we'd just go for it. And I think they learnt from us, but then they sort of taught us to be a bit more measured as well about and not just kind of bounce off the walls all the time. And just, they kind of grew us up, really. Um, so it, but then, to be honest, most of the really useful stuff that I've like, I'd say that movement, particularly clown at drama school with this amazing teacher called Mark Bell, um, who did like lots of different like movement things with us, like clown, bouffant, all these uh, mask and all this stuff. That was really amazing. But most of the most useful stuff that I know, I've learned in the business. I've yeah. learned from the jobs that I've done because you, we just didn't have tele training at drama school. Well, there doesn't seem to be, I don't know what it's like now, but there doesn't seem to be that much time for it mm. anymore. Well, we just didn't, we didn't have it. We we just had, we had some, a few like... Did you have like a few hours? A few hours of yeah. crappy little, and it just didn't really do anything at all. Did you enjoy the full three-year period or was there any reality checks? As in, were you told, look, this is going to be a, a, a bumpy road for you, personally. Was there any home truths slapped in your face so early? I mean, it does kind of... You do go on a journey of self-discovery, don't you? And yeah. people are quite honest with you. Um, I don't feel like... I can't remember any of it being horrendous. Um, at the end with the shows, what I do think is <clears throat> sometimes you've got teacher's pets and they're like the ones that are kind of they're going to be amazing they're going to be huge they're going to have all the agents after them and then and they are the stars and then there's everyone else and I think that's not healthy because everyone's going to find their way in whatever way they do and whatever path they end up on I don't think you should ever like push some people up kind of put them on a pedestal but I don't think I mean our year was fairly even and um I just, I remember thinking the horrible bit was when we started doing the showcases and obviously then agents come in and cast directors and certain people are getting interest and some people are getting none. And like, I think, I don't know, every year probably says this, but I think we came out a year when it was really dry, like people were really reluctant to pay, take more clients on. But then maybe lots of people say this, I don't know. And I think then it starts to divide you. So you've been such a tight company and friendship group. And then when someone's got six agents after them and somebody else has got none and they're like playing off each other in a show, I think that sometimes can get... It doesn't quite equip you for that. Um, I do think, though what they do need at drama school is more pastoral care because we did a lot of our pastoral care through, cause we were really close with our teachers and with each other. But I think they, you do sort of need to check, give people reality checks and check with their sort of mental health as well, because a lot of people going there are a bit lost 
and are young. And also they do need to know that, for example, when you get out there, you're not just going to maybe walk into Game of Thrones. You you might have to get a few side jobs and you've got to be prepared. How are you going to manage your time? How are you going to manage your money? How are you going to keep up and keep wanting to do it and not become kind of like really jaded at the age of nine, like 21 or whatever? And But I think mainly just practically, how are you going to enjoy your life and not just make it all about waiting for acting work? Yeah. Which I I do think you need to have more of those chats at drama school. Yeah. You know, just the, the realities of living and just kind of like, you just, because I think so many people just expected to walk into work and then obviously didn't happen. Um, and then, and that's quite hard going when you've kind of been ensconced in this world for three years and you just think everything is living, breathing, acting, theatre, theatre, acting, everything. And then suddenly you're out in the real world and you're like, oh crap. I'm going to have to work in this bar for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. And did you, would you say that in retrospect, on a whole, your whole three years were a happy time? Yeah. Like generally, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I don't, I don't regret, even in the dark times when I've been like, why am I doing this? I should have done something else. This was a mistake. You're even in my darkest, on those, yeah. Even those, and that you know, actually, that's usually when a big job or audition comes up. But um, it's like someone's telling you, no, don't give up just yet. But even in those times, I will never ever think that Lambda was a bad idea because, and also, I've got the best bestest friends from it as well. You yeah. Know. And are your parents still supportive now, all those years since graduating? Yeah, they're so proud now. In fact, when I when I'd written my um, when my first episode of EastEnders aired, like that I'd written, I've never seen my mum ran up to the screen, written by Maya Sandy, screenshot like just loads of pictures. I've never seen her so excited about an acting job, but like she, they just they're really sort of proud and kind of. I'm sure that they bore their friends about it and I, I would hate to see their friends and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry if they're talking about us all the time. But um, That's because they're proud and how amazing that they've been supportive and they really all the have. way through your life, all the way through your career so far. Yeah, I mean, I've literally, I've like been, I've bawled my eyes out to them. I've like turned up unannounced just in my little car from down the motorway from London back to Birmingham going, I can't cope anymore. You know, and they're just always brilliant. They're just such a kind of a unit of support. They Very sound great. like really lovely, lovely people. You can borrow them if they? you want. <laughs> I might need them at some point. I think I think all of us might need your parents at some point. So after you graduated, was was your first job something that sort of immediately hit, or did you feel quite jaded at a time where other people starting to get jobs? Did you feel left behind, or where were where were you? I think I I had three jobs. I think I think I was working in a couple of bars and a shop, and I think I was just kind of for a while. I was, I was just getting used to the real world again. Right. So the acting work it didn't happen there. straight away. No, straight no, away. no, no, not straight away. I had some nice meetings, and then I did do quite early on. I did family affairs, and I did like guest cast in that, 
which is brilliant learning because it's multi-camera, so straight away you're having to be really technical. Right. And everyone was so friendly. So you're already learning on the job. Yeah, more, yeah. more something different than what you were being trained for. for exactly, exactly. And then, and so, and there was sort of guest in that, and then I sort of thought, oh, okay, this telly stuff, I like this telly stuff. I could, we could like, we could go with this a bit more. And then I think I ended up, I think because of my ethnicity, I was getting more telly meetings than theatre, which was frustrating me a bit because obviously I was keen to do theatre because we'd done so much for three years. But then I sort of... Did you ever speak to anybody about that? No, you know, I think casting has changed so much over the years because I think now people are much more colourblind. I think we've still got a long way to go. But I get seen for stuff now, which I'd never be seen for sort of 10 years ago, that because it doesn't matter what the ethnicity is. Yeah. And people are much more open-minded about things. And um, But I, I, I actually grew to love the... Once I got used to sort of the telecastings, I really enjoyed them. But you must have been frustrated at times. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it was frustrating because you just think, oh, I've spent all this energy on this now, and I want to, I want to use it. I want to use my, you know, or everything I've learned. I want to like show it. I want to do it. And they want to carry on learning. Yeah, and yeah, and that's another thing. You, you really, I mean, every actor that I work with, even now, it's like, oh god, they do that. That's so interesting. I've never thought about that. And they, it's so interesting watching different people work. Yeah, it's amazing. Um. And yourself included, obviously. <laughs> but it's because it's people have such different ways. And I don't think there's any one way into this business. I think, you know, people can be so snobby. People, I have been around people who've been so snobby about, oh, well, they didn't train. I'm like, so? Did really, you know, different people have different paths in life. Of course, Some yeah. people don't. Some people do a workshop and a boom, straight in. Some people train because that's what they need to do and then go after. Some people go to uni and then go after some people come off the street and it doesn't matter i think you've got to be able to work with everyone and everyone can learn from each other's styles anyway and i just don't think there should ever be one way if we regulate it and say you have to do this and this and this to be an actor then it ceases to be what the beauty of what it is doesn't it it's so like a free beautiful kind of business when it well, when it's not stressful, it's a beautiful industry. Yeah, because it's full of interesting people, and it's full of massive highs and extreme lows. Yeah, totally. How do you deal with extreme lows? Because if it hasn't all been plain sailing, I want to get to a certain point where we talk about how you got into the writing. Yeah, but there must have been times where you did feel frustrated. So frustrated. No, I actually got depression because I and I got diagnosed with it because I got to the point where I I was doing side jobs and it wasn't fulfilling enough. And I was so, I was, when I'm not busy, I get really low. You know what that saying, isn't it? The devil, is it the devil makes work for idle? Oh, Hands. God. Hands. But for me, it's if I'm bored, it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just, I can't, I can't be doing it. And, and you're probably not a good company to be around. And I'm only saying that 
because we yeah. can smell our own. I'm exactly Worse. the same. Yeah. yeah. And you, I retreat into my, I would um, not want to see people because I think I'd bring them down. I just wanted to be fun with people. So I didn't want, then I'd end up coming across as really flaky because I'd cancel on things, cancel on people. Didn't want to do big social things because you're so low and you don't, and you don't want to talk. And also you feel a bit naff saying, oh, I'm just really low because I'm, I'm not working. Because people who are not in the business don't really get that. Yeah. It's like they're in the real world. Yeah. You know? um, and, but then you, you sort of, I sort of worked out to manage that and kind of throw myself into the side job. So I started teaching English as a foreign language because I trained to do it. Four week training course and then did that. And I, I loved it because you get really interesting, funny students every day. And they, they look to you because they, they're looking to you for something that you can give them. So suddenly you've got a purpose again. Yeah. And it's great. And then, and it's just hilarious. Like, it's really funny. And just watching the ways that students would interact with each other with very little English, with more English from all different places in the world. I remember one amazing class where I had, I had the advanced set and I had a 17-year-old boy from, like, Croatia or somewhere and had a 70-year-old woman from somewhere else. And they're in this class of only, like, four or five students together and we were, like, looking at Shakespeare and stuff. And I was just like, this is brilliant. How, when would when would these two people ever be together in a classroom learning? I, I, I get to watch them. I get to teach them, this 17-year-old little boy and this 70-year-old woman. And that's a great buzz. I was just brilliant. Yeah. Because it's all, like, you know, what we... we what we do is is people watch, don't we? Because we we reflect life, so we need to know different people's different the way what makes different people tick, what they do, what their sensibilities are, and it, just watching people from all over the world and come together and interact. It's just brilliant, and I did it in the middle of Soho as well, which is even more brilliant. Wow! <laughs> so how did the writing? Was that something that's always been bubbling inside you, do you think? Or Well, my mum nagged me for years. She was like, I really think you should write some stuff. Down. I think you should write, I think you should write. And I wasn't ready. I just, I didn't feel like I had enough stories to tell. And then I got to a point where I was like, you know what? There's all these other people's stories to tell that I'd love to see. And like, I, I'm having to wait for, I'm having to wait to see them. And sometimes they never come. So I should just write them, right? Because I... I've met amazing people in my life. I've watched amazing people on the bus. I've seen things. I've heard things. And I thought, I just... But I didn't know how to start writing it down. I had no idea because I didn't have the training. I didn't have... Like, you just don't know. And so I think what was... I did did a... I did a panto that was written by Hardeep Singh Kohli. And in one, because my my job was the kind of like the narrator buttons type character. And at one bit, the director just sort of let me do my own thing. So I kind of knew every performance. I had almost like a stand-up routine for a bit. And then I went back onto script. And for that, I got such a buzz every night. Because I didn't really plan it. I just sort of stood behind the curtain and just thought, right, we'll see. And like playing with the audience things. And after Hardeep sort of said to me, you I think you should write some stuff because you, you, there's clearly stuff in there and you need to get it out. So just write it, just, just do something. So I sort of started to create these characters that were based on people that I knew, met, watched, whatever, invented. 
and then sort of put it into a, a kind of a care home situation and just sort of wrote a little sitcom and a little pitch and didn't know what I was going to do with it. I just wrote it. And I just also had like all these other pages and pages of material, which was just random things that I'd heard or thought of. And did you feel that was a, a, a oh release, a great release It was amazing. It was like having a really good poo. <laughs> just like, <laughs> whew, all this coming out. And then I just showed it to a producer that I was working with as an actress at the time. I just thought, this might be really stupid, Paul, but could you just have a look at this little one page thing that I've written about this thing? about this care home and he read it he said can I read the script and I was like okay I'm a bit scared about anyone seeing anything because this might be total crap and it's gonna laugh at me but I was like no it's fine I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it like to be scared yeah and he read it and he's like you know what I think I should introduce you to some writing agents because it was at Hattrick here at Hattrick because they I think they you will work really well together and from that and then I, I sort of met them and they encouraged me to write some more stuff because I was really passionate about working with teenagers at the time I was doing some work with teenagers um about like sexting and porn and um sort of sexual images in the media and all that sort of thing and with my friend who ran a charity who sort of we did alternative sex education kind of thing and I'd heard all these stories from these kids and they, I was talking to them about it for about two hours and they said, you should write that. So then I wrote a play about that. And then that was kind of my calling card script. And where was the, where was the play produced? Yeah, it was on last year at the Park Theatre in the Park 90 called Sket. And, um, and yeah, it was in- incredible uh, to sort of have that. Because the response from people was, oh my God, this is a problem. We need to talk to our kids about it. That's what I wanted. I didn't want anyone to... I didn't really care if anyone said, oh, the structure of this play is mm, a bit this, a bit that, oh, no, <clears> the <throat> writing, blah, blah. I didn't really care. I just thought, I want people to go and talk about this because this is important because it's ruining kids' lives. And I got I got that response from it, so I was really chuffed about that. And now it's just sort of my calling card to get in the room for other stuff. So. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... But since I found that, I feel like I always have an outlet so obviously, you you are still acting, but has, yeah. do you feel that the writing has overtaken the not even just the acting, but maybe the passion for acting? Yeah, it's it's a weird one because when you're sitting there as a writer in a room in a writer's room and you're discussing the actors, it's a hard one for me because I feel quite bound to act, actors and like you know if you're sitting there and you're discussing an actor's future in this show. And, you're, and I'm thinking, God, they've got a family. They've got a this, they've just had a baby or this. You know, I'm like, oh my God, no. Um, it's hard. That That's that's why I kind of like to keep them separate because I don't want to be, I don't, I'd hate to write something than I was in as an actor. And then obviously I know things about the show and discussions that have happened that then the actors don't know. And then I feel like, I would feel like a bit of a traitor. <laughs> You know, so it's that's a. I've not had to tread that line yet, whereas because I've only written stuff or been in stuff, but not together. Um, but uh, it's lovely. They do go hand in hand though, because you're still in the business. So even when I'm not going to auditions, I still know the projects that are going on because I know what's going on in the in the business. I know what shows are in development. I know who's doing what. I've met so and so who's working on this, who's script editing this, whatever. So I'm in it. And then, you know, as a writer, as an actor, when you go for things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when I heard about this in development. It's it's kind of nice. They go together. But um, 
at the moment quite separate <laughs> but yeah it, well, sorry your original question which I didn't even answer it is <laughs> it is overtaking it only because I get to tell my own stories now I don't have to wait for somebody else to tell stories so I get you, to you've got them. more sense of control yeah and which actually is, which is something that keeps coming back in these podcasts about people control. taking that control yeah. and molding it into their sense of what they want to do and put it out there at their time yeah um, just the difference between so if i if i go to a writing meeting because somebody has read my script liked my work want to speak to my agent and want me in the room to say what are you up to at the moment what are you what what kind of things do you want to write this is what we're looking for, writers to pitch. So I'll go into a meeting and there's a real forward energy. What can you bring us? What show could we create together that then creates loads of work for loads of other people and tells loads of interesting stories? There's that kind of energy. Whereas I feel when I go into a casting, everything's been set. You're the last bit. So like you just go in and it's kind of like a, right, let's just look at you. Would you fit with the husband? Um... And, and, you know, most of the time you're there because they know what you can do. They just need to fit you to the show. Yeah. It's not even about doing well or not. Almost it's kind of like, well, yeah, we like you, but oh, can we make this work? Do you look 34? Could you have just had that baby? I mean, you know, it's that kind of thing rather than, you know, what can we create together? I feel sort of as an actor cheated because you, you're only bought in at the end. Whereas as a writer, you're there from the first seed. And it's just so exciting to be there from the beginning. Do you feel since becoming a mother, because the passion has kind of turned left a bit into this, the writing side of it, are you able to juggle being a mum and a writer easier than being a mother and an actor? I mean, at the moment... That not would you know, not really because <laughs> I still need to write and it's hard to write course, with a baby but, uh, there. But I know, but with writing, you're writing on your time on that's your the terms. Difference. Yeah, and that's the difference. So we can go right. So and I can speak to my writing agent and we can negotiate. Is it okay to deliver this by this? Or she can do this, but she's got this other project to do first. Or you know, like we've had to push back a project with someone saying, you know, she'd love to do this. She's really busy. Can we push it to? the end of this year and you know but we'll keep talking about it until then that you can't do that with acting because there's you know production it needs yeah, to be shot there's you're, a lot of other right. people to consider yeah you're yeah. right you can't you can't do that and and also i can i can write at three o'clock in the morning if i can't sleep and you know i can do it i can pick it up and do it whenever i want i can do it on a train i can do it in a cafe whereas you can't you can't like do that with acting because you just you do the scenes when you do the scenes when they're scheduled with the other people that kind of thing so and you have to be there <coughs> so yeah but do you ever think because there is such a even talking to you now there is such a great passion for the writing but the great passion that started when you were a kid was about the performing and the acting yeah do you ever think that you will put acting to one side and hundred percent focus on the writing i don't know because because i still love it like when i do a job that i love like for example line of duty good which would just show. like yeah funny oh apart from the people on it oh they're terrible Some people, terrible <laughs> but you know when you just love every moment of a job so that job made me remember why i love acting so much because everybody in that show was brilliant I, my experience on that show was amazing 
and the crew were incredible, everyone. And it just makes you go, oh, you know, I wouldn't, I'd hate to miss out on this. So you get the buzz back. I get the buzz back. Yeah. I do, I get Is it Is it back. a different buzz when you deliver an idea or a script that, that people sort of bounce off and go, oh, we like yeah, this? That's yeah, that's another another kind of buzz. But then you also know you could, it could take for, I mean, I'm developing lots of things at the same time and they might all go or none of them might go. So you have to be realistic. You're like, yeah, it's great. It's exciting. They like it now, but it might not be made, if at all, but it might be made like in four years. So it's like you, you have to suspend your kind of like excitement for a bit because you kind of go, right, yeah, I need to do the work first and then we'll see what happens. And then there's a million other decisions that have to be made along the way. Whereas the acting is like an instant buzz, isn't it? Because you're just there going like, I'm loving it. Loving it. Yeah. Um, and the writing is like, yeah, let's not get too excited until we see the proof in the pudding, you know, kind of. That's why I love writing on other people's shows like Mount Pleasant and EastEnders because they already exist. So you, you know that you're going to get your show, you're going to, your episode's going to be on because you've been commissioned to write it. Or like if you're commissioned, to, you know, you get a script commission, you're, you've been commissioned to write that script. So you're, you're definitely going to be able to write a script. Whereas when you're sort of, the, the most fun bit about writing when I started was writing the scripts. And now you get so bogged down with, oh, I need to write the treatment, the pitch. I need to sell the show before I even know what the show is. Whereas I discover the show through writing it, but that's very time consuming. And so and doesn't pay. And doesn't pay. And so it's hard kind of like almost selling something. It's like selling an empty bottle of water. <laughs> You've got the bottle. You just like, there's, there's nothing in it, but you sort of know what it is. You've got like the outline of it. Yeah. But until you open the tap and like start filling the water up, you won't know, like, you know, you don't know what it is. So yeah, or gin. <laughs> we've gone full circle we've gone, we've gone to, back yeah. to gin yeah we've gone back to gin um, but yeah it's, it's, I think if you said to me I will answer your question if you said to me you could never act again I'd be really really sad but if you said to me you could never write again I'd be devastated I think I'd just I'd be heartbroken so I think at the minute I think you've just answered your own yeah, question then. yeah I finally answered one question didn't I <sighs> yeah but, but if any casting directors are listening, please don't take that. <laughs> they won't listen to this. <laughs> oh, they might do. Yeah, don't listen to it. <laughs> Maya Sunday, amazing. Thank you so much for coming Thank into chatting. You. It's been brilliant. Uh... How brilliant was that? I mean, what a, just a lovely grounded uh, woman. I mean, she's just great. I'm kind of buzzing for her. Um, what else have I got to tell you? Oh, yeah, you know. Here he goes again, saying subscribe, saying rate, pop five stars on, you know what I'm talking about. Hit subscribe for the Two Shot Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Tell your friends to follow us. It's all good. At Two Shot Pod on Twitter, on Instagram, the Two Shot Podcast on Facebook. You can always follow me on at Parks 1976 Drop us a line. Uh, what's the email? The email is? TwoShotPod at gmail.com. Oh my God, producer Griff speaks. Can you believe it? TwoShotPod at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you're thinking. Maybe you've got an idea of a guest that you'd like to have on. 
That's fine. Look, we'll read it. I'm, I'm not sure I can do anything about it, but I'll certainly read it. Also, I would like to thank splicingblock.com. Go to all the w's.splicingblock.com. Check those guys out, okay? And I will see you next week. This has been the Two Shot Podcast. I've been Craig Parkinson. Thank you so much. And remember, subscribe. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.